This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So here in a few minutes, let me jump gears here, switch gears. Uh, Larry Udelson, uh, he's a New York, New Jersey writer and a journalist, right, Jake? Yeah, that's it. And uh, so we discovered here, come on in the studio if you would. This is, this is one of those great... Uh, hold my beard type moments. And I, I got to thank the listener. I got to go back and find his uh, text number and text him a thank you as well. We were talking about the guy who landed his plane out by Grain Valley the other day. And I thought, that's a pretty good story, especially depending if depending how much trouble he gets in. Yeah. He didn't kill himself. He didn't hurt anybody else. But now he's in a little bit of a questionable DUI situation because they're saying that they, they believe he was intoxicated. But he right? wouldn't take the breathalyzer. But that's pretty good if you can still... Look, again, I know a guy, and this is true, who... Went through a roundabout. All right, that's drunk. That's that that's, is a feat to see, by the way. This dude was hammered allegedly, and he landed a plane at Grand Valley and didn't crash, hurt the plane, hurt himself, or hurt anybody else. That's a pretty good story. Now you're mm-hmm. in trouble, but yeah, once that's all, when it blows over, that's a hey. You want to hear a story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought it in, stuck it, and then hugged a trucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you think that's an amazing story. And somebody goes, hey, you, do you know about Thomas Fitzpatrick? You're welcome, LOL. And sent me this. So I Googled Thomas uh-huh. Fitzpatrick and airplane. Turns out it's the greatest goddamn hold my beer story of all time. And uh, we're going to talk about it. But he's a, he was an old school for 51 years. He was in the union for a, he was either a steam fitter. I've seen steam fitter and pipe fitter. But either way, working class, blue collar guy, in New York, New Jersey, yeah. and uh, and you know, if you spend any time in those neighborhoods, those those neighborhoods always had taverns. Always, that's just an East Coast thing. Every every neighborhood has its own place. Yeah, and everybody had yeah, their a neighborhood bar. bar. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that, when you get to the suburbs like Jersey or you know, and, and you know, further out of the island, uh, and so he's hanging out, and apparently. He, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk all about who this guy was. He's actually, he passed, sadly, 10 years ago, he died. Yeah. I wish I'd have seen this 10 years ago. So I, I just could have slipped in and had a talk with him. Yeah, so oh, we could have brought him here and had him in studio. Oh, my God, so I could raise money for a statue. <laughs> Sit on his lap and let him tell me stories from the olden days. Because <laughs> right? that's a guy's guy, yes. right? I'm Because you, know, you know the dude's drinking Boilermakers, getting mm. hammered, and he gets into a, some kind of a verbal altercation with another guy. And uh, the bet starts, and he does that bar thing. Like, there's that old thing you'll do. Like, if a guy knows a certain trick or a certain thing, he'll be like, I bet I can do this. I can touch my foot and then touch the ceiling. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I knew a guy, that's what Ricky Pegleg used to do. Yeah. Ricky Pegleg had, was uh, missing a leg from the uh, uh, knee down. Uh-huh. So he had a prosthetic, and he'd bet a dude. Uh, he goes, I'm telling you, I could put my right foot on the floor, my left foot on the ceiling. <laughs> 
And of course, Genius. the guy's like, all right, let's see it. And he'd pick it off and go, shrink. <laughs> or like and the it, deadlift, the midget, like yeah, you told me about. Yeah, and you go, now pay up, sucker. <laughs> That's well, amazing. He told the guy, I can make it from Jersey to the island to Manhattan, I believe it was Manhattan, uh, in 15 minutes. And he's like, no, you can't. Nobody could do that. And he's like, okay. And literally, <laughs> he t- goes over to the Tittleboro Airport. And we're going to get all the details when we talk to this guy. He steals an airplane, which is no small feat in itself. Takes off, no lights, no radio, talks to no one. So now, but you know right? the radio sees you, or the, or the, the radar in yeah. New York sees you. Even, you know, this is back in 58. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, they were being covered with radar, you know, that airport. And it's, you know, it's a big city. And he takes off in the dark, leaves all, zoop, within 15 minutes, but he lands it on the New York City street at nighttime, between those buildings. And if you've ever been in New York, they're not, I mean, there's a couple wide streets, but they're not wide. Even though, even the widest streets I've seen in New York would not, nobody would feel comfortable landing an airplane. No. They wouldn't let you do it as a stunt pilot. Like if you were shooting a movie, they go, no, absolutely not. Mm-mm. This dude did it on a regular New York City street. <laughs> not only does he land it there, but he's right in front of the bar yes. where the hell happens. He, that's, that, that is one of the most amazing things to me yeah like at night no lights and you knew where the bu- you could tell you had i mean those are some big buildings there you have to fly high you can't fly low you have to fly high and then come in super hard and land and you got to know where the bar is <laughs> they, had to, they had to take the wings off the plane to get it out of there which is take, insanity they had to unbolt the wings and put it on a truck and take it back to the <laughs> airport <laughs> where and he hadn't he, he, no damage and the guy who owned the airplane was like, I'm not even pressing charges. That was amazing. Like, and by the way, that's the way people used to be. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be pissed off because he stole your plane, but you'd also, as a man, begrudgingly go, hold on. You flew my plane from here and landed it in front of a bar, and there's not a scratch on it? Yeah. I had pressing charges. Yeah. <laughs> there was a time when you'd wink at each other and go, God damn. Yeah. 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 Billy, you do it again, I'll beat your ass. <laughs> By the way, uh, we're going to get the rest of the story, but he did it again. All right. So and, and, grab Larry if you would. And I do want to hear the backstory that he had just a cat's ass hair amount of knowledge. Yeah, he did. He was in the military. No, he actually did. No, he knew how to fly a plane. Right, so it turns enough. out. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't a proficient flyer. He was a pipe fitter. You know, he didn't have an airplane. Mm. He just, this was old memory yeah. from, from, you know, being 18 years old and joining <laughs> the military, you know. Back, you know, just, I mean, just would have been... You have faith in yourself. I could do it. Well, that's back when people did that stuff. Uh-huh. By the way, I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you, there was a different can-do... God damn. Hold on a second. I got this. Mm-hmm. And then they'd do it. And that's how, that's how Evil Knievel was born. That's yeah. how Thomas Fitzgerald goes into... And, and he's going to be lost to history. And again, it's a terrible idea. I understand this by today's responsible standards. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. If you have a lick of, of, of manhood on you, like you have any bit of adventure in you and, and a love of the absurd and the, and the, the, the long odd guy, this, the underdog, this dude you, is your patron saint. You called it. This is screaming to be on Prime or Netflix. Oh, yes, yes. Our next guest is a New Jersey-based author and editor who is here today to tell us the tale of Thomas Fitzpatrick and the drunken barroom bed that led to him stealing an airplane from a Jersey airport and landing it on a New York City street, not once, but twice. Please welcome, Larry Udelson. I wish I could find even more people that knew this guy. Uh, let, me, let me get Larry on. Hold on. Hey, Larry, welcome to the show. 
Hi. Hey. Thank you. Hey, so we had an incident here in Kansas City about uh, three weeks ago. A guy uh, landed an airplane on the highway. It was big news, as you would you'd guess. And he ran out of gas. He, he had to land it dead stick. And uh, when the cops got there, he, he acted a little weird. So they alleged that he may have been hammered. Uh, he wouldn't take the breathalyzer. So now that's where that story lies. We start talking about this. The fact that you could fly a smaller plane, land it on the high, especially if you were hammered, is pretty impressive. We get a text. Very much so. We get a text that says, do you know about Thomas Fitzgerald? You're welcome, LOL. So I start diving into this story. And I, he might be the Why There should be a statue of this mother effer somewhere. Totally. What what a story! Let's let's so let's start from there. He's sitting in a bar. Where where's the, the first time he's sitting in a bar in, in New York? Is it New York City? So he's in New York City. It's in Washington Heights, one hundred ninety first Street. So it's way up there. Okay, but it it's still city. It's you know four story building, apartment building on all sides. What what uh, on, what borough is know, that? It's in Manhattan. Okay, it's so it's, it's, it's Upper Manhattan. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess it would be. Yeah. Okay, so one hundred ninety first Street. And by the way, is there a bar there anymore? I don't know that exact point, but there are bars on St. Nicholas near 191st Street. Might maybe 189th Street could be the same bar. I, well, either way, I'm side note. Next time I'm in the city, I'm, I'm going drinking there. Now, that being said, he's sitting there drinking. He's a he's a, a working class guy, right? He's blue collar. He's a, he's either a steam fitter or a pipe fitter. So he's 26 years old at this point, right. but. You know, when he was 15 years old, he lied about his age and enlisted in the Marines. Okay. You know, so you don't want to bet against a guy like this. So he, he went to the Marines, and then he ended up in the Army in Japan and became the first guy from New York City to get wounded in the Korean War. God, so, was, he, was he even 18 when he got wounded? He was, yeah, he was, he was like in his 20s okay. because, you know, he enlisted in the 40s and he got wounded in the, in the 50s. Okay. So. Yeah, he was an adult by then. Yeah, yeah. But, but by the way, isn't that crazy? Just side note that there are so many stories that start with he lied about his age, and our military is like, because you know they weren't fooled. They're like, okay, you look like you can do it. All right, get in yeah. here. Right. So he gets he gets wounded, and that was kind of his, a, a bit of fame for him, though, because he was the first new uh, was it American or New York City native? First, first New York City. Okay, native to get wounded in the war, and he came home. And now he's drinking in this bar, and bet that he can make it from New Jersey to New York back to the bar in 15 minutes. And people say, you can't do that in 15 minutes. Yeah, because you can't. And, and he says, yes, I can. And it's, you know, so he gets in his car, he drives back to New Jersey, and he goes to Teterboro Airport, which is this little tiny airport, you know, and it's like, you know, five miles from the George Washington Bridge, maybe 10 miles from the bar. And Basically, nowadays, its only fame is that um, Jeffrey Epstein was arrested from his private plane at Teterboro Airport a couple years back. So he goes to Teterboro Airport, and there's a flying school, and there's a single airplane, you know, there's a single-engine plane, and he steals it. And he flies it without lights, without radio, and lands in front of the bar at 3 o'clock in the morning. Absolutely crazy. It, but it, he landed it at 190. The first one was at 191st, right? Yeah. And and so here's the crazy part for people who don't fly or know about New York. Those are tall buildings. Those are all like the average story, even back in the 50s, had to be 
10 to 20, right? No, no, not at 190. No. 191st Street, they're all four, five, six-story buildings. Okay, so still, it's, a, it's you know, they're tall. He manages to, to somehow navigate in the dark with no, no, not, no modern technology. You've left the Teterboro. You've flown back over the river and over the bridge, and now you're in the, over the top of Manhattan, and you've got to figure out, like, how, how do you even know where, where the power lines are? How do you know? I mean, those are not super wide streets there. I mean, he, he must have been counting the streets to, to land in front of it, you know? I mean, you figure the, he knows the bridge is 180th Street or something, and then he counts streets going up, but it's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah, because the whole time you're doing it, I suppose you could circle once, but then you got to come in for a goddamn landing, and there's pictures of this, and, and it is not, there's not a lot of room. New York City, if those you don't know, like those... Those streets are not like interstate level wide. They're they're you know in, they're city streets. Like you go downtown Kansas City and look at the width on those. He yeah. comes in and he sticks it with a flawless landing. Yeah, and until until the cops come and you know they they say okay guy you got it you know and they take him to court and he pays a hundred dollar fine. <laughs> the guy who owned the airplane didn't press charges. No, I mean you know. It's, yeah. I think there's a respect among aviators then, you know? Yeah. Well, there, there was a time, I think, with men that you go, listen, I don't like the fact you stole my airplane, but goddamn, son, like what you just did is pretty amazing. Like, God, don't yeah. do it again, Billy. But <laughs> but you just, you think there was a time when there was, and I have that same admiration for that kind of badass, ridiculously poor decision that works out, you know? He didn't hurt anybody. It all played itself out. You know, today, honestly, yeah, he'd be a, they'd call him a terrorist, Right. Right. But then he was a dude who was so crazy. He was drunk. He stole an airplane. He flew it and he landed it back at the bar and he proved that you could do it. By the way, uh, was he in the bar drinking when the cops came? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you like to think he was. You like to think. But, yeah. you know, he may have been hanging out by the plane, you know? I mean, so I bet. And, and 26 years old, he, he gets away with this. And then you think, okay, that's a once in a lifetime moment. Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> nope. Well, people didn't believe him. You know, you got to believe people in this world. And people didn't believe him. And six months later, he's in back of the bar and he's telling the story. And people said, it's not true. And he said, I bet you it is. I'll do it again. <laughs> and he does it again. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's same airport. Same airport. Um, and he lands, you know, two, two blocks, two blocks from where he was before on the campus of Yeshiva University. And when I say campus, it's really very loose because it's simply, you know, Amsterdam Avenue is two blocks away. It's the exact same kind of New York City street, except instead of it being a Manhattan, you know, urban apartment building, he's landing in front of this, you know, crazy university-looking building with, you know, copper domes on top. And... You know, the, the campus happens to be on vacation, and he lands there, and the police come and they arrest him, and the second judge is not quite as amused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first time you get maybe a nudge and a wink from a, a guy's guy. Second time, they're like, you seem to be forming a pattern here, son. And so, so they, they gave him six months, didn't they? Six months, yeah. Oh, and I, I, I don't know where, but I assume it Rikers. I don't know. I, maybe, yeah. But you know, I mean, didn't stop his his career. He, you know, he became a good union man and paid his union dues. And he was, I guess, twenty. You know, and he 
die, you know, and 50 years later, you know. And, and, he, made and it, he made it to 79, you know, which is a decent run unless you're 78. But it's, yeah. it's it, but I just, it bothers me. And I don't know why. And I think, Larry, you, you because you were the first person we, we, we discovered that, that really knew about this and understood the same way we were feeling. Like, it makes me sad to think this story may be lost to just the wind in history, you know? I, you know, what shocked me in the story was I hadn't heard the story. You know, it should have been it should have been a legend in Washington Heights. You know, there should have been a picture on every bar in Washington Heights. Every, yes. You know, and I mean, it seems to me, you know, back back in the, back in the fifties, there were people in Greenwich Village writing folk songs about you know shipwrecks and submarine wrecks and you know people <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the exactly. Yeah. And there ought to be a song about this guy. There ought to be a song. The guy flew the airplane, stole the airplane, drunk twice, landed on a city street. And you know, should have been the American hero. Well, you're right. You're, you, you, this picture should have been behind every bar because then the guy wanders and he goes, "What's that all about?" And he goes, "Let me tell you about Thomas Fitzgerald." And that that is or Fitzpatrick. Sorry, you got me back on the Gordon Lightfoot with the submarine and the shipwreck thing. <laughs> yeah. that was, it was that was back on the wreck of the Redmond Fitzpatrick then. Exactly. Yeah. So you, uh, but but that's the kind of thing in New York City when in, you know that's one of the things I love about the smaller bars that you'll find in the dives and like and and since you live in the in the city and you know about that you know we lost uh, Jimmy Glenn uh, that ran you know uh, Jimmy's Corner over near Times Square and he was you know a legendary ringman uh, for for every heavyweight boxer in the history of boxing and when you walk into his place it would be a picture of him and Muhammad or him and you know just it was just history you know there's a a, a bell in there. Uh, from Madison Square Garden, you know, you know, legend. And so we lost him in 20, but it's that same thing that you walk in, you just want to get a cocktail and have a little whiskey and a beer, and you start looking at the pictures on the wall, and you cannot help but ask what the story is. Exactly. And that's and to me, that's what makes New York City, one of the things that makes New York City the, the, my favorite city. It's a great place. Yeah, it is. And so this idea that why isn't, I mean, this there's got to be a movie in here. I don't know where you've got to fill in the other parts, but the two pieces and the two ideas of this guy, Thomas Fitzpatrick, in 1956, hammered, steals an airplane, lands it in front of the bar on a bet. A couple years later, just does it again. And this time he ended up doing six months, and he had to blame it on the, uh, on the alcohol. And uh, so the judge gave him a little time to dry out, didn't he? You know, it's, uh, but he lived happily ever after, so you know, the judge wasn't totally wrong. Was he married at the time? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure your wife, you know, I don't think his wife would have wanted him out drinking at one o'clock in the morning and stealing airplanes. True. Well, those are different times. Well, she would <laughs> shut her mouth and not say anything about it in those days. Right. Listen, you know, if you're lucky enough to be married to that crazy son of a bitch, you just thank your lucky stars. He's that awesome. <laughs> so, exactly. How, how do we, but how do, you know, like, because I feel like, there's, I don't know that there's a book here because there's not enough people here, Larry, but you're a writer. I mean, there's got to be a Netflix, like a, some, something here, you know? I mean, you know, my, my real regret learning about this story was that he died, you know, very few years ago, you know? I mean, yeah. had I known this, I could have gone and interviewed him and, you know, found out the rest of his life. And, and, and it's, it's hard to believe a guy like this had nothing interesting happened to him in his next 50 years. You know, I mean, right, I think right. there's probably lots of little stories that don't involve interstate theft um, and, and FAA violations that are probably really interesting and really exciting. And we're never going to know them. And, you know, that's just sad.
Yeah, it is. He's got to have family that has other stories of him just being a character. He's a character. There's got to be some way to dig into this because now I see the opening up on the movie. Like it's an old, it's a New York City bar. It's that same neighborhood tavern. There's a picture on the wall. The guy asks about it, and I go, "Don't ask me. Ask him. That's him." Mm -hmm. And he's the guy at the end of the bar drinking a a boiler maker, (laughs) and and he starts, you know, that 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 twinkle in the eye thing where it just goes zoop into the story (laughs) back in 1940 or or 19. uh, The first time was 1956. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's just such an interesting thing. Anyway, I, I. Whatever it struck me, and uh, I've really been fascinated with this for the last 24, 36 hours reading about it online and just trying to dig through anything I could find. I know that feeling. Yeah, it's it's uh, I just appreciate you. Hey, listen, uh, who are you writing for these days? You freelancing or you writing for somebody? No, so I'm basically doing steady writing for the um, Jewish Standard, New Jersey Jewish Standard, and you know, we write about local things, and you know, it's new. Northern New Jersey is kind of funny because it's like a different state, sure. but effectively we're a suburb of New York. We're really the sixth borough, right? You know, so. Well, dude, it, trust me, it's my favorite city. I have so many friends on the island, and I, and I get up there a couple times a year, and I, it's I love living here where I do. But to vacation and go spend a little bit of time and just feel that energy, it's uh, it's always always a great time, always. Yeah. Yeah, listen, you take care of yourself and keep the story going, man. And and, and uh, I'm telling you, man, you you find a way. You should dig into this and you should write it. You should, you should do a screenplay. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about about his about his surviving relative, you know? He may he might, be, might be worth a phone call. Hey, yeah. look, I'll dig in and do some Google searching. That's the, kind of the cool thing about the world now with the Internet is, uh, you know, you, you, you stumble across things. If we find anything at all, I'll definitely forward it to you. Great. All right, my friend. Hey, good to meet you. Good meeting you. Thank you, Larry. What a good dude. I love that story. Can't stop here. See, I, I, I just want that guy to write the screenplay now. Oh, of course. Like he's got to have grandkids, great kids. There got to be people, cousins that the stories have been passed on, even if they didn't meet him one on one. Even if it wasn't direct descendant, it was somebody that knew the bar, somebody kid that was there, Absolutely. somebody in the because there's photographs. A so fly on the wall, whoever that may be. There's more, you know, just this one photograph. There's there's 30 people there, and. Uh, the uh, old truck, uh, old truck rental. That's for taking the airplane away. They took it off. You got, you can see the cops. You can see the one dude's just super frustrated. He's the traffic cop. <laughs> He's all kinds of pissed off. And it's just, and you know, these are one, two, three, four, five, yeah, six-story buildings all around it. Yeah, there has to be even news archives from 18 Dickety Two for the paper, even <laughs> reporting yes. that nonsense happening, not once but yeah. twice. Uh, look it up for yourselves. Thomas Fitzpatrick, 1956. The flights of Thomas Fitzpatrick. I, I love business like that. I can't tell you why. I just do, man, so much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Born March 1st in Houston, Texas. He launched his wrestling career in 1989, eventually becoming the most decorated wrestler in the WCW, before moving on to the WWE, where he became one of the biggest names in sports entertainment. He was in town earlier this year for the annual Planet Comic Con. And now you can see him every week on the new A&E show, Smack Talk. Please welcome, wrestling legend, Booker T. Can you dig it, dig it sucker? sucker. Mr. Booker T, how are you, man? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? How y'all feeling this morning? Good, good. Good to hear your voice, man. It's been a minute since we've seen you. Ain't the last time it's been a while since you were in the studio. And yeah, then, man. I'm always, I'm always working, man. I'm always busy, but I'm always available when I'm available. Right, man. Well, listen, you made the Comic Con. You, you do. You make the rounds. You work your ass off, and now you're jumped into this because you thought I just need more work. WWE Smack Talk. Yeah, man, um, what a what a great uh, spot to be in, more importantly than anything, man, uh, to be able to, you know, um, chat about the legends that made this, this business so great, man, is um, really, really awesome. And um, to be a part of it, me and, you know, Peter Rosenberg and Jackie Redman, I think that's a, a hell of a team as well, and don't don't miss it every every Sunday night. Well, I mean, and who better to host it than you? You know, you come in and, you know, you bring, you think about what you bring. You talk about 35 championships or, you know, you talk about all of the, the, the world championships or the, the Hall of Fame or, you know, starting off in Louisiana and then making it to the, to the top of the WWE. You've seen every aspect. You've seen every win, every failure. You've seen uh, guys who took the right path, guys who took the wrong path. And you truly love wrestling. I mean, you can tell when you when you watch. Yeah, man, I love it. Um, I love it to death, man. I got a chance to um, hang out. Uh, Monday Night Raw at the commentary table, and I was like, "Wow, it's so great uh, to be in this position." But those um, those guys, uh, those legends, you know, the Kurt Angle, the Lex Luger's of the world, you know, Shawn Michaels of the world. I got a connection with just about every not not just about everyone that's a part of the um, Bio series. I got a connection with these guys, and to be able to, you know, um, become a fan for a second and ask the questions that I always right. want to ask these guys is. That's what's really, really cool for me. Uh, Shawn Michaels, a guy who was always, you know, um, rated very, very high. I always, you know, you know, want to ask Shawn Michaels, did he think he was, you know, the the greatest wrestler in the world? And you know, the answer that you know we get from something like that, I think people are definitely going to be uh, hanging on to that right there. I see. I go. I can't pick the greatest wrestler of all time because it, it just I cannot do it. My my answer changes instantly because you'll go. You know, you have instincts. Modern time, you go. The Rock was pretty amazing, but I go back and I'm like Harley Race, dude. I grew up with that. Or but Jerry the Lawler. You know, Jerry Lawler the King. I grew up with in Memphis, Tennessee, watching that on you know in the mornings. And so, or you go. You know, there's it just keeps going. Then you go Stone Cold. What about Mankind? Well, what about the Undertaker? You know. Yeah. I mean, you go. What about Booker T? You know, and you go. It's 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 just not possible. You'd have to no, you'd have to break into in the eras. That's, that's that's the beauty of it, though. That's the beauty of it. Every wrestler um, should think. I mean, if they're at that top level, um, the legends that these legends um, got to, um, they should feel like they are the best in the world. And we all thought that way. We all had that same that same drive, that same determination. And I think that's what made that era. 
so awesome because everybody was in competition. It wasn't a whole lot of friendship um, going on back then because everybody was jockeying for a position. What a great time. Yeah. And, you know, and Ric Flair, of course. Like, yeah. oh, my God, as a kid, tickets right on Space Mountain, you know, 18 years or older. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah, it's just so much. I mean, I still have friends. We refer to sex as take a ride on Space Mountain, like to this day. Hey, man, uh, to see Ric Flair actually, you know, um, you know, crank up Space Mountain one more time. Yes. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and, and especially those stories. Like, so our friend Goff worked with WWE for a number of years, uh, I think as a writer. And, and just and knowing guys over the years, we uh, you start to hear those stories about the day. You know, back in the day, like the 80s, yeah. like there was some filthy insanity going on. Girls were crazy for wrestlers. You know, yeah. the the yeah. the ring rats, I mean, they were just everywhere, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. That's something we always talked about back in the day. You know, yeah. the guys didn't. They didn't have a whole lot of money, but they would always, you know, um, it would always, always be some girl taking care of them. Always. <laughs> yeah. always. So they made it to the next level. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like a fraternity in a, in a lot of ways back then, uh, you know, coming up, you know, in the business. Um, I, I, I don't remember, I, literally, I don't remember, like, a lot of the matches uh, just because it was a job. I was going from one sure. job to the next. Um, but the memories, um, the camaraderies, the stories, the locker room, the smell, man, that right there, you never, you never, you know, uh, get enough of that. When you're around, you go, wow, man, this is what I miss uh, more than anything. The business has definitely um, taken me places that I never imagined or dreamed in my life. Uh, and uh, what what an awesome 32 years. Yes. Yeah, dude, listen, I, I totally get that. And I, I try to share with people. I go, look, whatever you think you wanted to buy, it's going to end up in a junkyard, destroyed, old. Every house gets knocked down, furniture goes to the dump, whatever. But memories, everything you carry with you that you live with, yeah. that's yeah. like the gift. That's the that's that's the money. I tell you, um, um, that's, the, um, that's the cool part about um, uh, Smack Talk, um, the memories, um, being able to talk about the legendary careers, you know, we had um, Kurt Angle on last week, and you know, to hear Kurt Angle's story, uh, what a, what a, what an awesome story of sure, you know, will, grit, and determination, and heart. Um, a guy who uh, was willing to, you know, lay it all on the line inside that inside the square circle or on the mat, more importantly than anything, uh, with a broken with a broken freaking neck, yeah, uh, yes. and bring the gold medal home to America, and then have a a hell of a WWE career. And then we, you know, you know, switch gears to a guy like Lex Luger, who was, you know, was uh, the, the ultimate, the ultimate as far as fitness goes. And then to have, you know, uh, being struck by, you know, you know, an anomaly yeah. end up, you know, how he is now, but still have that smile, still have that, you know, um, hey man, um, I'm still here attitude. It's such right. a, yeah. such an awesome thing. Well, yeah. dude, Mick Foley, like Mick, like, you know, until I met him, and read his first book, and then read, of course, the the ones after, and then he'd come by the studio a bit, and you just realized, first of all, maybe one of the most creative uh, individuals in the history of wrestling. Like, the, the ideas, the ridiculous nature of, of Mr. Sacco, like the absurdity of his stuff. 
And he's, you know, he gave it all up, man. His, he is broken. I mean, I love him with all my heart. He's a wonderful human being. And it's tough for me to watch him come in the room here with a cane because everything on him is broken. Everything. Well, that's the, um, you know, that's the nature of the beast um, in, in men. You know, um, you know, you look at a guy like Mick Foley who went out there and gave everything. I was there in Germany when he lost his ear, you know, to watch him at the Hell of a Cell match, yeah. you know, with, with the Undertaker, you know, fly out the cage and then go through the cage. Um, but but still uh, being one of the most intelligent yeah. men that you're ever going to meet, one of the, the smartest men you're ever going to meet. I, I say Mick Foley is borderline genius. I yes, really, I really I believe that. I do, too. And um, to... To see a, a guy like that who was willing to do what he did, you can only respect that because we only have one life and we got to do it our way. Right. Right. That's it, man. And that's the other thing that we love to see. Like, I love to see somebody because, again, it would be so easy to write a guy like Mick Foley off. You go because you see the outside that he allows you to see, right? The characters and the yeah. wrestling and, and, the, and the goofy nature of it all. And then, but then, then you're right. You, you see the other part and you go, dude, you lived exactly as you wanted to. You made all your own decisions and, and you, and, and he doesn't complain. Like he always seems happy to me and not bitter, not, not, not uh, in any way unhappy about stuff. He just, he's glad to be here. You know, um, there's only a, a certain type of uh, people um, like, like Mick Foley, you know, um, they don't, they don't come like, you know, every day. Uh, he's, he's definitely a special um, breed of talent, and um, um, the, the business. Um, I honestly believe this: that the business will never ever see another Mick Foley. See, I really believe that. This is why. But if you're if just joining the show, I know you recognize the voice. Yeah, it is Booker T. And uh, WWE Smack Talk Sundays ten on A and E, and he's going to be hosting us. And you're the perfect guy because you you really do love this. You know this. You breathe this. You eat this. You are you're not just uh, a legend in it. You're a you're a fan, and you've stayed a fan. You know, uh, I grew up in Houston, and um, I wear the ring of uh, the great, you know, Paul Bosch, a promoter back in the day. And I remember going on fishing trips and having that little black and white television out there on the pier watching, yeah. watching wrestling, barely can see it. But um, I've loved this since I was a little boy uh, sitting on my grandfather's knee in Louisiana, um, you know, watching, you know, the old wrestling from back in the day. Um, it's something that I always loved. I never uh, thought I would be a professional wrestler or anything like that. But when I got in the ring for the first time, it was like deja vu. And I say, man, I'm I'm gonna stick around this party. They're gonna have to kick me out. Yeah. And it's been 32 years um, being a part of this, and um, I do love the business. I and, and I love what you know the young guys um, bring to the to the table now, and and for these young guys to be able to literally um, watch the. Uh, that generation before them um, and, and what it took to get to that next level, what it took to work at the main event level. Oh man, it's, it's such a, it's such a, such a beautiful thing. And for me, um, uh, I'm in, I'm living my best life being able to give back now, awesome. uh, being able to, you know, let these young guys sit under the learning tree. I don't know why I feel like, you know, um, Confucius. <laughs> yeah, like but you are, things, man. But, you're you're but giving I, them but the I'm living my best life. I really am. Ah, oh, dude, I love it, Booker. Hey, man, I'm just so glad we managed to connect, and uh, and I can't wait to check uh, next week's WWE Smack Talk Sunday, 10 o'clock Kansas City time on A&E, the breakdown of the latest in the WWE. And, you know, you're coming for Comic-Con, you're coming through Kansas City. Dude, dinner's always on us, whatever. And if you're ever here, anytime you want to hang. 
You got it, bro. I mean, I appreciate it, man. I really do, man. And um, smacked out, like you said, 10 o'clock Sunday night. Don't miss out. Don't get shut out of it. I know you can dig that. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.